Shoes and Stockings, a collection of short stories by Louisa May Alcott. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Carolyn Francis. A Country Christmas, Part 1, by Louisa May Alcott. A handful of good life is worth a bushel of learning. Dear Emily, I have a brilliant idea, and at once hasten to share it with you. Three weeks ago I came up here to the wilds of Vermont to visit my old aunt, also to get a little quiet and distance in which to survey certain new prospects which have opened before me, and to decide whether I will marry a millionaire, or become a queen of society, or remain the charming Miss Vaughan, and wait till the conquering hero comes. Aunt Plummy begs me to stay over Christmas, and I have consented, as I always dread the formal dinner with which my guardian celebrates the day. My brilliant idea is this. I'm going to make it a real old-fashioned frolic, and won't you come and help me? You will enjoy it immensely, I am sure, for Aunt is a character, Cousin Saul worth seeing, and Ruth a far prettier girl than any of the city rosebuds coming out this season. Bring Leonard Randall along with you to take notes for his new books. Then it will be fresher and truer than the last, clever as it was. The air is delicious up here, society amusing, this old farmhouse full of treasures, and your bosom friend pining to embrace you. Just telegraph yes or no, and we will expect you on Tuesday. Ever yours, Sophie Vaughan. They will both come, for they are as tired of city life and as fond of change as I am, said the writer of the above, as she folded her letter and went to get it posted without delay. Aunt Plummy was in the great kitchen making pies, a jolly old soul with a face as ruddy as a winter apple, a cheery voice, and the kindest heart that ever beat under a gingham gown. Pretty Ruth was chopping the mince and singing so gaily as she worked that the four-and-twenty immortal blackbirds could not have put more music into a pie than she did. Saul was piling wood into the big oven, and Sophie paused a moment on the threshold to look at him, for she always enjoyed the sight of this stalwart cousin, whom she likened to a Norse Viking with his fair hair and beard, keen blue eyes, and six feet of manly height, with shoulders that looked broad and strong enough to bear any burden. His back was toward her, but he saw her first, and turned his flushed face to meet her, with the sudden lighting up it always showed when she approached. "'I've done it, Aunt!' "'And now I want Saul to post the letter, so we can get a speedy answer.' "'Just as soon as I can hitch up, cousin.' And Saul pitched in his last log, looking ready to put a girdle round the earth in less than forty minutes. "'Well, dear, I ain't the least mite of objection, as long as it pleases you. I guess we can stand it if your city folk can.' I presume to say things will look kind of singular to em, but I s'pose that's what they come for. Idle folks do dreadful queer things to amuse em. 
and Aunt Plummy leaned on the rolling-pin to smile and nod with a shrewd twinkle of her eye, as if she enjoyed the prospect as much as Sophie did. "'I shall be afraid of em, but I'll try not to make you ashamed of me,' said Ruth, who loved her charming cousin even more than she admired her. "'No fear of that, dear. They will be the awkward ones, and you must set them at ease by just being your simple selves, and treating them as if they were everyday people. Nell is very nice and jolly when she drops her city ways, as she must here. She will enter into the spirit of the fun at once, and I know you'll all like her. Mr. Randall is rather the worse for too much praise and petting, as successful people are apt to be, so a little plain talk and rough work will do him good. He is a true gentleman in spite of his airs and elegance, and he will take it all in good part if you treat him like a man and not a lion. "'I'll see to him,' said Saul, who had listened with great interest to the latter part of Sophie's speech, evidently suspecting a lover, and enjoying the idea of supplying him with a liberal amount of plain talk and rough work. "'I'll keep em busy if that's what they need, for there will be a sight to do, and we can't get help easy up here, for darters don't hire out much, work to home till they marry, and don't go gaddin round gettin their heads full of foolish notions, and forgettin all the useful things their mothers taught em. Aunt Plummy glanced at Ruth as she spoke, and a sudden color in the girl's cheeks proved that the words hit certain ambitious fancies of this pretty daughter of the house of Bassett. "'They shall do their parts and not be a trouble. I'll see to that, for you certainly are the dearest aunt in the world to let me take possession of you and yours in this way,' cried Sophie, embracing the old lady with warmth. Saul wished the embrace could be returned by proxy, as his mother's hands were too flowery to do more than hover affectionately round the delicate face that looked so fresh and young beside her wrinkled one. As it could not be done, he fled temptation and hitched up without delay. The three women laid their heads together in his absence, and Sophie's plan grew apace, for Ruth longed to see a real novelist and a fine lady, and Aunt Plummy having plans of her own to further, said, Yes, dear, to every suggestion. Great was the arranging and adorning that went on that day in the old farmhouse, for Sophie wanted her friends to enjoy this taste of country pleasures, and knew just what additions would be indispensable to their comfort, what simple ornaments would be in keeping with the rustic stage on which she meant to play the part of prima donna. Next day a telegram arrived accepting the invitation for both the lady and the lion. They would arrive that afternoon, as little preparation was needed for this impromptu journey, the novelty of which was its chief charm to these blasé people. Saul wanted to get out the double sleigh and span, for he prided himself on his horses, and a fall of snow came most opportunely to beautify the landscape and add a new pleasure to Christmas festivities. But Sophie declared that the old yellow sleigh with Punch, the farm horse, must be used, 
as she wished everything to be in keeping. And Saul obeyed, thinking he had never seen anything prettier than his cousin when she appeared in his mother's old-fashioned camlet cloak and blue silk pumpkin hood. He looked remarkably well himself in his fur coat, with hair and beard brushed till they shone like spun gold, a fresh color in his cheek, and the sparkle of amusement in his eyes, while excitement gave his usually grave face the animation it needed to be handsome. Away they jogged in the creaking old sleigh, leaving Ruth to make herself pretty with a fluttering heart, and Aunt Plummy to dish up a late dinner fit to tempt the most fastidious appetite. "'She has not come for us, and there is not even a stage to take us up. There must be some mistake,' said Emily Herrick, as she looked about the shabby little station where they were set down. "'That is the never-to-be-forgotten face of our fair friend, but the bonnet of her grandmother, if my eyes do not deceive me.' "'answered Randall, turning to survey the couple approaching in the rear. "'Sophie Vaughan, what do you mean by making such a guy of yourself?' "'exclaimed Emily, as she kissed the smiling face in the hood "'and stared at the quaint cloak. "'I'm dressed for my part, and I intend to keep it up. "'This is our host, my cousin, Sol Bassett. "'Come to the sleigh at once. He will see to your luggage.' said Sophie, painfully conscious of the antiquity of her array, as her eyes rested on Emily's pretty hat and mantle, and the masculine elegance of Randall's wraps. They were hardly tucked in when Saul appeared with a valise in one hand and a large trunk on his shoulder, swinging both on to a wood sled that stood nearby as easily as if they had been handbags. "'That is your hero, is it? "'Well, he looks it, calm and comely, taciturn and tall,' said Emily, in a tone of approbation. "'He should have been named Samson or Goliath, "'though I believe it was the small man who slung things about "'and turned out the hero in the end,' added Randall, "'surveying the performance with interest and a touch of envy.' for much pen-work had made his own hands as delicate as a woman's. Saul doesn't live in a glass house, so stones won't hurt him. Remember, sarcasm is forbidden, and sincerity the order of the day. You are country folks now, and it will do you good to try their simple, honest ways for a few days. Sophie had no time to say more, for Saul came up and drove off with the brief remark, that the baggage would be along right away. Being hungry, cold, and tired, the guests were rather silent during the short drive, but Aunt Plummy's hospitable welcome and the savory fumes of the dinner awaiting them thawed the ice and won their hearts at once. "'Isn't it nice? Aren't you glad you came?' asked Sophie, as she led her friends into the parlor, which she had redeemed from its primness by putting bright chintz curtains to the windows, hemlock boughs over the old portraits, a china bowl of flowers on the table, and a splendid fire on the wide hearth. "'It is perfectly jolly, and this is the way I begin to enjoy myself,' answered Emily, sitting down upon the home-made rug, 
whose red flannel roses bloomed in a blue list basket. "'If I may add a little smoke to your glorious fire, it will be quite perfect. Won't Samson join me?' asked Randall, waiting for permission, cigar-case in hand. "'He has no small vices, but you may indulge yours,' answered Sophie from the depths of a grandmotherly chair. Emily glanced up at her friend as if she caught a new tone in her voice, then turned to the fire again with a wise little nod, as if confiding some secret to the reflection of herself in the bright brass andiron. "'His Delilah does not take this form. I wait with interest to discover if he has one. "'What a daisy the sister is! Does she ever speak?' asked Randall trying to lounge on the haircloth sofa, where he was slipping uncomfortably about. "'Oh, yes! And sings like a bird! You shall hear her when she gets over her shyness. But no trifling, mind you, for it is a jealously guarded daisy, and not to be picked by any idle hand,' said Sophie warningly, as she recalled Ruth's blushes and Randall's compliments at dinner." I should expect to be annihilated by the big brother if I attempted any but the sincerest admiration and respect. Have no fears on that score, but tell us what is to follow this superb dinner. An Applebee, spinning match, husking party, or a primitive pastime of some sort, I have no doubt. As you are new to our ways, I am going to let you rest this evening. We will sit about the fire and tell stories. Aunt is a master hand at that, and Saul has reminiscences of the war that are well worth hearing, if we can only get him to tell them. Ah, he was there, was he? Yes, all through it, and is Major Bassett, though he likes his plain name best. He fought splendidly and had several wounds, though only a mere boy when he earned his scars and bars. I'm very proud of him for that and Sophie looked so as she glanced at the photograph of a stripling in uniform set in the place of honor on the high mantelpiece. "'We must stir him up and hear these martial memories. I want some new incidents, and shall book all I can get if I may.' Here Randall was interrupted by Saul himself, who came in with an armful of wood for the fire. "'Anything more I can do for you, cousin?' he asked, surveying the scene with a rather wistful look. "'Only come and sit with us, and talk over war times with Mr. Randall.' "'When I've foddered the cattle and done my chores, I'd be pleased to.' "'What regiment were you in?' asked Saul, looking down from his lofty height upon the slender gentleman, who answered briefly, "'In none. I was abroad at the time.' "'Sick?' "'No.' "'Busy with a novel. "'Took four years to write it. "'I was obliged to travel and study before I could finish it. "'These things take more time to work up than outsiders would believe. "'Seems to me our war was a finer story than any you could find in Europe, "'and the best way to study it would be to fight it out. "'If you want heroes and heroines, you'd have found plenty of them there.' 
I have no doubt of it, and shall be glad to atone for my seeming neglect of them by hearing about your own exploits, Major. Randall hoped to turn the conversation gracefully, but Saul was not to be caught, and left the room saying with a gleam of fun in his eye, I can't stop now. Heroes can wait. Pigs can't. The girls laughed at this sudden descent from the sublime to the ridiculous, and Randall joined them, feeling his condescension had not been unobserved. End of Part 1